Good morning, church. Good morning, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's 2016. We're kind of off and running already, and I uh, hope and pray you had a great holiday season. Everybody have a great Christmas? Good Christmas? Awesome, awesome. How many of you received something new for Christmas? Anybody get something new? All right. A few people, a couple people. Sorry for the rest of you, but uh, no. So hopefully, hopefully you received something new over Christmas. And you know, the thing is, we love new, don't we? We, we love new things. We love unwrapping new things. And I don't know what you got that was new. Uh, maybe you got, you know, some new clothes or, or maybe you got a new phone or maybe you got a new game or maybe you got a new, you know, whatever it was, but you got something new. And, and isn't it fun just to kind of wrap and wrap that and go, man, this is awesome. You know, somebody gave this to me and you're thankful for what they gave you and you're looking at it and it's new. And we love new. Now, what if you would have opened the box, right? You would have torn through the paper and everything, and you would open the box, and what was inside wasn't new. What if what if you would have opened inside, and it was like re-gifted, or it was like an old piece of junk, or if it was like a cheap imitation? What would you have done? You'd been like, really? I mean, you, know, I mean, like, the, you were all excited because you thought this is going to be new, and it wasn't new. It was like cheap imitation. It just wasn't it, and you'd be so disappointed. Why? Because you love new. We all do. We love when things are new. We, we love it. We don't want to dress up some cheap imitation and then call it new when we know it's not new. We want new. We want new. I mean, they even sell, you know, new car smells. So if you don't have a new car, you can just like spray it in there and it smells like a new car because we love new. And what can happen sometimes in our spiritual life is just that. You know, we could say, hey, we're going to dress it up. We're going to put something else on it. But we really haven't had a change. There really hasn't been something different. It's just the same thing. And yet God wants to do something in your life and in my life. God wants to do something that's new. God wants to do something that's fresh. God wants to do something that has power. God wants to do something great. And that's exciting. And so this morning we're beginning this brand new series called Brand New. You know, because that's what God wants to do in your life and in my life. And I love that about our God. And so we're going to talk about what it means to be a disciple. And for these next five weeks, we're going to look at discipleship and unpack it and say, what does it mean to be brand new? What should my life be looking like as I follow Christ? And we're going to see five different aspects of this. We're going to talk about today what it means to be redeemed in Christ and a living life in Christ. That's the beginning of discipleship. We're going to talk next week about being fueled by the Spirit, that God places His Holy Spirit within you, and you are fueled by the Spirit to live life through the power of God's Spirit. We're going to talk about the third week, created to grow. That you don't stay in the same place spiritually. That you progress, that you grow, that you mature. We're going to talk about driven by love. That the overarching purpose of our life then becomes love. Loving God, loving others. And then we're going to see this. We're going to talk about what it means in our lives to be totally committed. And a disciple is somebody who's totally committed. And sold out, like all in. And I'm so excited about that. So here's our theme verse. You heard it read earlier, but I want to put it up here. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And I want us just to read it out loud together, okay? Are you ready? Let me count three. One, two, three. 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Ah, don't you love that? Don't you love that our God is making all things new? If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you to open with me to the book of John, the Gospel of John. We're going to be in John chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, that's all right. Maybe you have a mobile device, you can access the scriptures online, or we'll also put the scriptures on the screen so you can follow along with what God's Word has to say. But John chapter 10, John, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four Gospels talking about Jesus and all the things that happened through Christ. And here are the very words of Jesus. So this is John chapter 10, very words of Jesus, if you have a red letter Bible. So this is powerful. And here's what Jesus says in John chapter 10, pick up in verse 1. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Jesus is like, I want you to get this. I want you to understand this. John chapter 10, verse 1. He says, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. So the way Jesus taught was he would take real life examples and he would apply spiritual principles. You know, Jesus could have walked verse by verse through the book of Isaiah. Maybe he did that uh, with his disciples at other times. But when he was teaching the crowds and he was teaching people, he was taking real life examples. Like he'd say, hey, check out that farmer over there sowing seed. See him? Look at that. That's the word of God. You know, the word of God finds fertile soil in a heart or it doesn't. You know, and so he takes these principles. So he says, hey, you know, keep it a sheep. You see it all the time, right? When the shepherd's out there and the sheep are eating, and then he brings them in and he creates a pen. And he said the only way into that pen is the front door. You don't climb over the pen. If you climb over the pen, it's a cheap invitation. It doesn't work. It's not the way it was designed. And the people are like, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. I get it. I see it. He says the man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Now, I think that's pretty cool, right? Because in the Middle Eastern time, you know, they name their sheep. And, and they call them by name. They, they know that. So when, it, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Now, now this is important because... You kind of in our minds, we grew up in the Old West, and we kind of think about cattle being driven or horses being driven, and you got, you know, cowboys on horseback, and they're driving the herd, and it's a big stampede. But in the Middle East, when you have sheep, the shepherd leads the sheep. The shepherd leads the sheep, and he goes out in front, right, because he's looking for danger. He's looking for things that will harm the sheep, and the sheep follow the shepherd because they know his voice. They know his voice. They know which shepherd to follow. He says, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. It's like, whoa. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. He's like, I want you to get this. I am the gate. Now, when he said, I am, this would have just been like, whoa. I mean, this would have been huge for the Jewish listeners. Because I am was powerful. Now, if you go back in the book of Exodus, 
In Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, and you can do some deeper Bible study later because it's just so awesome. I'm not going to stay here all day to unpack this. But the parallels between Moses and Jesus in the Old Testament, and Moses, you know, the deliverer that God called out, and Moses, the one who, you know, he was, he was face-to-face with God that gave him the law, Jesus, the fulfillment of the law, Moses with the, the Passover, Jesus, the Passover meal or Passover lamb. But when God was calling Moses in Exodus, and God said, Moses, I want you to go back. To, to Pharaoh, and I want you to tell him to let my people go. And Moses was going, um, God, I don't know if you know this. They don't like me too much over there, right? I killed an Egyptian, and uh, I don't think it's going to go well for me if I go. And God's going, I'm God, right? I know that, but I'm sending you. There was a reason that I had you there in Egypt. There was a reason that you learned the language. There was a reason you studied there, so you could go back. I've been preparing your life the entire time, Moses. Uh, this is it. This is what I've been preparing you for. So Moses, you go back. And, and Moses says, who should I say sent me? You remember this? Who should I say sent me? And what does God say to, out of the burning bush? What does he say? Tell him I am who I am. Now that became the name of God. And it, just that they wouldn't even mention this, the Jews. I mean, there was such awe and respect to be like, whoa. And God says, tell him I am sent you. I am God. I am the one who controls everything. I am. And so now Jesus comes along, right? And Jesus says here in verse 7, therefore Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate. And when they heard that, they're like, whoa, whoa, I am. Jesus is fully God. Now there's seven I am's that are from John chapter 6 all the way to John chapter 15 where Jesus is identifying himself as the Messiah. And he takes this I am, and he says, you know, I am the bread of life, right, in John chapter 6. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. We'll see in a minute. I am the good shepherd. We'll see, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and life. John 15, I am the vine. So Jesus comes along and says, guys, this is what it's all about. Christ, the Messiah, God has come and I am here Jesus is making this so clear to them and to us Jesus said I am the gate for the sheep all whoever came before me were thieves and robbers but the sheep did not listen to them now Jesus isn't talking about the prophets what Jesus is talking about is other people who said they were the Messiah and there were a lot of people if you go back and study history there are a lot of people who said oh I'm the Messiah I'm the Messiah because everybody in the world was waiting for a deliverer everybody was waiting for the Messiah and Jesus goes, no, 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 they were cheap imitations, okay? You could dress them up, but they were cheap imitations. They didn't last. He says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And Jesus says, hey, guys, listen, there's only one way in, Right? One way into the sheep pen, and it's through the gate. And Jesus says, I am the gate. <laughs> I am the gate. You see, discipleship begins in Christ, walking in Christ. It begins with a relationship with God through Christ. It all comes down to Christ. And then he says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He says, if you settle for a cheap imitation, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find in your life that you are following the wrong thing. You're going to find in your life difficulties and challenges because the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. I saw an article the other day, and it was, uh, it was a famous actress. I mean, everybody here would recognize her. She's young. She's been in a lot of just big hit movies. And, you know, she's successful. She's got a lot of money. What, whatever the world would say is success. And the guy asked her, the interviewer was in this article, and he said, you know, well, what are you going to do for uh, New Year's Eve? And she said, I hate New Year's. And he said, why? And she said, because every New Year's I wake up drunk and disappointed. She goes, really, that's kind of my life, drunk and disappointed. I was like, whoa, wow. I mean, here's somebody who they, man, they've made it, right? And they've defined their life as this, drunk and disappointed. And you're thinking, what happened? Why? Because we fell for this, right? The thief comes to steal, steal our joy, to, to kill our self-worth and our value, to destroy our lives ultimately. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. You don't have to live that way. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. I want you to reach your full potential in God. I want you to be all God designed and created you to be. I want you to know Him. But there's one way. <laughs> you enter through the gate. It's through Christ. He keeps going. He says this, right? I am the good shepherd. So there's that I am again. Seven I am. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who, who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus goes, you, you know what, you, know, you go the way of the world, you go with a cheap invitation, what happens when danger comes or when difficulties come or challenges come in? Everybody bails. Everybody takes off. The good shepherd is there for you. That's why the good shepherd leads. The good shepherd goes ahead. The good shepherd protects. He protects the sheep. I am the good shepherd. Verse 14, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Isn't that awesome? I just think that's awesome that, that God loves you so much and God loves me so much. That he, he just, Christ lays down his life for us. Knowing that he protects us, that he provides for us, that he's there for us. He said, I have other sheep, verse 16, that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Now, guys, this is powerful because here we are in John chapter 10 and Jesus is alluding to the worldwide church. He's alluding, he's speaking to the Jewish listeners, but he's saying, listen, listen, it's for anyone. Anyone, right? Therefore, if anyone. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. That's us. Jesus looking down through the quarters of time and knowing that there will be one church united under one shepherd, Christ, and Christ alone. Therefore, verse 17 the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. What's he talking about here? He's foreshadowing the crucifixion. He's foreshadowing the resurrection. You know, think about it. He says, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. I'm going to die for you but I'm going to take it up again. The resurrection, no one takes it from me. It wasn't the Romans or the Jews. It wasn't the spikes that held Jesus on the cross. Jesus willingly gave his life for you and for me. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. The price had to be paid. 
Jesus paid the price for us. I have the authority, fully God, to lay it down, the authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Verse 19, at these words, the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? They're like, wow. What C.S. Lewis said, either Jesus was a, a liar, a lunatic, or the savior of the world. <laughs> For those of us who know him, we know he is the savior of the world. And that's when we come back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone, open invitation, right? If anyone is in Christ. See, discipleship is all about Christ. It begins in Christ. It begins by you entering into the gate of Christ. That comes in Him and in Him alone. A disciple is someone who's been redeemed by Christ. Now that word redeemed, we use it a lot, but, but do we understand what it means? Redeemed means to be saved from something. Saved from an error, or saved from a you know, mistake, or saved from sin. Like I redeemed something. In the Latin it means to be bought back. I was bought back. See, you were created for God. You were created for a relationship with God. That's why he made you. There is nobody else in the world exactly like you. You are unique. You are unique. You have different gifts and skills and abilities, different looks. God made you for a relationship with him. But then what happened? We sinned, right? Holy God, sinful man. But then God sent his son to redeem us, to buy us back, to pay the price for us. And Jesus paid the price for us on the cross. He paid the price for us on the cross. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says this, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. It's through Christ and through Christ alone. And that happens as a conversion happens in your life. Now for some of you, it's been more of a progressive revelation. Some of you, you grew up in church, right? You just have always been in church. You I mean, it's like your parents had you, you know, during the week, and you were at church on Sunday. I mean, you just didn't miss, right? You just have always been there. And, and sometimes you kind of go, well, you know, I mean, I've always been at church. I don't really have one of those cool, you know, salvation stories about I was strung out in heroin and all this kind of stuff, and then, you know, God saved my life. Well, praise God you don't have one of those stories, you know? <laughs> praise God that you have great parents or grandparents or a legacy that's been passed down to you. But in your life, there was this progressive revelation. There was this progressive God drawing you to himself, God inviting you in. But there came a time for you where you said, you know what? This isn't just my parents' faith. This isn't just my church's faith. This isn't my country's faith. This is my faith, right? I believe in Christ. I'm entering through the gate. I'm following Jesus. Others of you, you have more of this, you know, momentary conversion. It just happened. You, you can remember exactly where you were. You can remember the date. You can remember the time. You can remember it. Maybe it was a Sunday morning, and, and it, it just felt the Holy Spirit speaking to you, and you're like, that's me. You know? That's me. They're, they're talking straight to me. And right where you sat, you just said, God, I want you in my life. Forgive me. Redeem me. Restore me. And from that time on, man, you just knew. Man, I, my life is different. Something happened there. My life has changed. My life has changed. You entered into the gate. One of my favorite people in the Bible is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was a guy, he grew up in church, right? He grew up going to church. He grew up going to the temple back then. You know, but he was trying to get to God through the Old Testament. He was trying to get to God by doing good works and good things. 
but it didn't satisfy. He wasn't coming through the gate. He wasn't coming through Christ. And it wasn't until Acts chapter 9 where Apostle Paul meets Jesus. And Jesus gets right up in his face and says, hey, man, the gate is through me. A lot of times people go, well, no, the gate is by being good or the gate is by coming to church. And Jesus is going, no, no, the gate is through me. It's through Christ and Christ alone. And right there on the road to Damascus, man, Paul drops to his knees and has this conversion experience that transforms his life. And if in your life you're going, well, I don't know if I have that same, you know, power, that same call. I don't know if there's been a time that I've really yielded my life to Christ. And God is drawing you to himself. But there comes a moment where you say, yes, yes to Christ. And you enter in. The most important decision you'll ever make in your life, right? But it's something only God can do. Only God can redeem. Only God can restore. And we can't do it on our own. See, it's not Christ plus something. A lot of times we think it's Christ plus. Christ plus uh, good works, right? You know, Christ plus, you know, great church attendance. I'm glad you're at church. But, but it's not that, you know. It's, a God, you know, it's Christ plus, uh, you know, whatever. It's not Christ plus. It's not even the water of baptism that saves you. The water doesn't save you. It's Christ and Christ alone that saves you. Baptism follows your salvation experience. Baptism comes a time when you say yes to Jesus. I'm a follower of Christ. I've given my life to him. A couple of weeks ago, we were celebrating baptism, and uh, there was a dad who was being baptized, and his son and his daughter were being baptized. And I, and I said to him, man, I love this guy. He's just awesome. I love his family. And, and I said, you know what? I'm so proud of you. I said, you are setting an example for your kids about, about what's important in life. You are being the spiritual leader of your home. I said, I'm proud of you for doing that. You're being baptized with your kids. And you know what he said? He said, he said you know, Jeff, thanks so much for saying that. He goes, I, I really appreciate it. He goes, but you know what? He goes, this really even, even just for my kids, man, this is, this is for me. And with sincerity in his heart and his life, he just, he said, you know, in my life, I was baptized as a, as a child, but I don't really remember it. And he said, God has been doing something in my life, and I want people to know I'm a follower of Jesus. I, I want people to know that I'm following Christ. This is, this is for me. It's about Christ. And I was like, yes, it is. And I was so thankful for this guy's obedience. And in your life, maybe God's been speaking to you. Maybe God, you know, you, right now as we're talking about this, you're going, that's me. You know? I need to be baptized. I need to say, hey, I need to make a declaration that it's Christ who has saved me. It's Christ redeeming and restoring me. Here's what it says in Romans. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Remember Jesus said, you come through the gate, that's how you're saved, through Christ. As the scripture says, anyone, anyone, it's for all, religious, irreligious, for all, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. It's for all of us. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if someday you're at home, somebody knocks on your door and tries to tell you that it's Christ plus being a part of some church or something else or something else or something else, you just kind of look at them and go, no, 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 it's Christ. That's it. And I know Jesus. I'm a follower of Christ. And my life is secure in Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and then notice this next part, he is a new creation. He is a new creation. You know what that means? That means your life looks different. 
That means a transformation happens in you. That means change has come. So if you look at your life, you know, has there been a change? Jesus said, I am the gate. You enter in the gate. But he also said, I am the good shepherd. You're called to follow. To follow. Remember Jesus talked about in John 10. He said, my sheep know my voice. You see, it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. It's about being in Christ so that we can hear from him. And some of you are going, well, I don't know if I've ever heard an audible voice. I don't know if I've heard, you know, how do I know that, that God's speaking to me? How do I know that Jesus is talking to me? How do I know his voice? And I want to tell you, when you are in Christ, you become this new creation, you start to sense God's Holy Spirit speaking to you. And you can tell when God is prompting you. You begin to hear from him. And it's not always audible, right? It's just a still, small voice, like he talks about in Scripture. The still, small voice. And you know in your heart and your mind, you're like, oh, wow, okay. That's what God wants me to do, and I can feel in my spirit he's calling me to go this way. And, and yet, I feel like in my own life, I want to do this. But, but you know, you know. And Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. You enter into the gate, but you follow. See, why when we accept Christ, doesn't God just take us home? Why then when we accept Christ, doesn't God just go, you know what, come on home. You're going to have eternity in heaven. Why does he leave us here with all the hurt and the pain and the suffering? Why does he do that? Because he's called you to be a disciple. Because he's called you to be used for his glory. And in the process, you become a new creation. And in the process, you begin to share the love of Christ. A disciple is someone who follows, right? You can be a disciple of Socrates. You know, you can be, you can be a disciple. John the Baptist had disciples. But you are now called as a new creation to be a disciple of Jesus. To follow him. It's not that you enter into the gate and then, hey, check that off. I've got fire insurance policy. I don't have to go to hell. You know, no, 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 no. You now become a disciple. You are a new creation. Before you weren't, right? But now you are. You are a new creation. So as you look at your life, can you see God at work in your heart and your life? Are you learning to hear his voice? Are you learning to hear from him? Because you're called to be a disciple. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 28. He said to his disciples, he said, guys, listen, I want you to go and make disciples. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And listen, I'm with you to the very end of the age. Yeah? He goes, guys, here's your call. You go and make disciples. He didn't say go make good people. He didn't say go, you know, make other people go to church. He doesn't say, he said go make disciples. Why? Because that's our call. Our call is to be a disciple. The word disciple is used 261 times in the New Testament. The word Christians used three. The word disciples used 261 times. We're called to follow. We're called for our lives to be a new creation, to be walking with Jesus. And so as you look at your life and you begin to evaluate your life, you say, hey, am I growing as a disciple? The disciples come in all shapes and sizes, right? Disciples come with all, you know, backgrounds and ethnic groups. I mean, disciples come at all ages. Uh, there's people who are disciples in the United States and in Brazil and in India and in Egypt and all over the world. But what are we united in? We're united in this, Christ. Christ. C.S. Lewis said, 
when all is said and truly said about the divisions of Christendom, there remains by God's mercy an enormous common ground. And you know what that common ground is? Christ. Christ. We have brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. Brothers and sisters who are following Jesus. A lot of people try to define a disciple in a certain way. You know, you have to go to a certain church, you read certain authors, or you know certain terms like hermeneutics or systematic theology. But it's not about that. It's about Jesus. Enter through the gate. Follow the good shepherd. Right? My life is being changed. I am a new creation in Christ. He says there, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The old is gone. Now, what does that mean? That means our old desires, our old nature, our old sinful nature. It, it should be gone. It should be moved on. That means that we are now new in him. But you're probably thinking in your life, like I do, you know, but I still struggle with sin. Anybody else struggle with sin? You know, I mean, yeah, we all struggle. Right? Well, the Apostle Paul talked about this. There's this battle between the carnal man, battle between my desires that I have in this world. Paul even said, why do I do the things I don't want to do and the things I want to do I don't do? Oh, what a wretched man I am. You ever been there? I have. Right? I mean, you know, I'm supposed to be this new creation in Christ, but I'm still having this spiritual battle. There's still these things, the temptations that Satan brings to me. And yet, in your life, as you begin to follow Christ, the old begins to dissipate. The old begins to move out of the way. I remember when I was in college, uh, I used to be real competitive. I mean, I grew up playing sports, and I was just so competitive. I wanted to win everything, and I would get so mad if I lost. I would get angry, you know, I'd throw golf clubs. I would just get, just get angry, and, and when I was in college, it was like God just got a hold of me. I was in this Bible study, and I'm praying, and I'm, and I'm trying to follow God, and God just said, hey, this is old nature, okay? You've got to let that go. I was convicted. I mean, I was convicted to say, why am I still angry about this? I mean, it's intramural softball game. I mean, come on, seriously? You know, it's like, I mean, co-ed. I mean, it's like, come on. You know, it's like, really? I mean, I had to kind of come to a point in my life to say, that's my old nature. Now, I can be excited when somebody has a great play. I can be happy for them. I'm living my life, but I'm a new creation. I can't be living over here. I've got to be living differently. The old in my life needs to be moving out. Can you see a change in your life? Spiritually, can you see a change in your life? Now, now a lot of times it's hard for us to look because it's incremental growth. Uh, some of you, you had uh, relatives that came in over the holidays, you know, and, and maybe they saw your kids or, or you went and saw nieces and nephews or something and, and you looked and you go, wow, they've grown so much, you know, and, and, but you're a parent, you're not really seeing it. Why? Because they're just kind of incremental growth. But if you don't see somebody for six months or a year or two years, you go, whoa, wow, they've changed so much, right? Can you look at your life spiritually and look back over the last few years and go, wow, okay, I see a change. Now, I'm not perfect. I still make mistakes. I still mess up. But are you seeing in your life the old nature starting to move away? Those are my old desires, right? You know, God, uh, those are my old things. That lust, uh, the, you know, that money, that, that was my old, uh, there's a new me now. There's something new that's happening in me. You are a work in progress. But as a disciple of Christ, you've got to grow in that relationship with him. And that's the call. The old 
is moving on and the new has come. See, Christ wants to redeem not just part of you, but all of you. Christ wants to redeem not just part of you, but all of you. Sometimes we go, well, okay, Christ, I'll give you my marriage, but I'm not going to give you my career. I'll give you, you know, I need to be a better parent, or I need to be a better aunt or uncle. I need to be better with my roommates, you know. So I'll give you that part of my life, but I'm not going to give you my finances, right? You know, and God's going, no, 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 no. Listen, I am doing a new thing in you. And those old desires and those old natures in every area of your life need to come under my lordship. You trust me. You fall in love with me. That's when you see growth happen. And then it says, right, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. And then what does it say? The new has come. (laughs) I love that. The new has come, right? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life to the full. And this is where it's exciting. When you're following God, when you're walking with him, you're growing your relationship with him. Man, it gets exciting. You start to see God do awesome things. And your spiritual life comes alive. In John chapter 15, Jesus makes one of those I am statements. And he says this in verse 5, I am the vine. And at first you're like, I'm the vine? You know, I I get it. But here's what he says. He says, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such a branch are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. Now notice this last part. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. You see, when you bear fruit in your life, what are you? You're showing yourself to be a disciple of Christ. Now what is the fruit? Go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. In your life, when you are attached to Christ, you see, if you are a branch, right, you're only getting nourishment because of the vine. If you take the branch off and put it over here to the side, it's going to be withering and dying and used for the fire as jesus said but when you are attached to the vine all your nutrients and all the life-giving energy comes from the vine therefore jesus says i am the gate you enter through the gate i am the good shepherd you follow me i am the vine you remain in me and as a disciple of christ if you want to grow in your relationship with christ you remain in christ you grow in christ you hunger for the word you spend time with him you grow deeper in your faith It doesn't mean you're perfect, right? But you are becoming because you are in Christ and in Christ alone. You can take an oak tree and you can go out to that oak tree and you can take a bunch of apples and you can get a hot glue gun and you can go and you can hot glue a bunch of apples on an oak tree and then you can post it on Pinterest and it really looks cool and you're like, yeah, check it out, you know, like this. But you know what? You didn't make that oak tree an apple tree. I don't care how many apples you hot glued gun on that oak tree. It did not become an apple tree. You know what? You know how you know it's an apple tree? When there's apples on the apple tree, when fruit comes out, right? When it comes out, because the fruit reveals what's on the inside. The fruit reveals what's on the inside. And then those apples, when they fall and they reproduce, then you're like, okay, that's a real apple tree. You can dress this up over here, but it's just a cheap imitation. It's an oak tree with apples glued to it. This is a real apple tree because of the fruit inside of it 
And in your life and in my life, this call to be a disciple, this call to have a relationship with God through Christ, to enter the gate, to follow Christ as the good shepherd, to be in him and to remain in him. Listen, I don't know what New Year's resolutions you've set for 2016. I don't know what plans you have and goals you have, but I want to tell you this. You need to put Christ at the top because you will prosper and succeed and follow him when you are in Christ. When he becomes the priority of your life, the passion of your life, the joy of your life, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And we can run after the things of this world. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. And I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray this. I pray that 2016 is your best year yet. I do. I pray it is your best year in your marriage. I pray it is your best year in your future marriage. I pray it is your best year with your kids. I pray that they grow spiritually. I pray it's your best year in your career. I pray it is your best year doing ministry and missions. I pray that you reach your full potential. But it's only going to come when you are in Christ. Because you are a new creation. And that's where you will thrive. God's called you to be brand new. Live it. And watch God do what only God can do in your life. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today. But I know this, God is here. I mean, God is here. Maybe for you, today is a day of salvation, you know? Maybe you've been trying to come to God in a lot of different ways. Maybe you've been trying to come to God through doing good things or being a good person. But you can't enter the sheep pen that way. It's only through the gate. It's only through Christ. Today, has there been a time when you've said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Forgive me, redeem me, restore me. Maybe for you, today is a day just to recommit. I want to follow the good shepherd. The one who lays down his life for me. The one who protects me. The one who provides for me. I want to follow him. Maybe today is a day just to say, I want to remain in Christ. Maybe God's speaking to you today about a next step spiritually. Maybe it's baptism. Maybe it's joining the church and saying, hey, it's time to lock arms with other believers. It's time to come on. Maybe for you, it's being a part of a community group, a place where you're growing spiritually. Maybe for you, it's every day I'm going to start off and I'm going to read God's word and I'm going to pray. I'm going to make that the priority. So, Father, here we are, your disciples today, Father, longing to know you, longing to follow you. And, God, I pray right now for us, Father, this coming week, we're going to step to a new notch just with life and the busyness and craziness. But today, we want to put a stake in the ground to say it's about Christ. Our lives should be about Christ, that we are a new creation and what you're doing in us should be different. Lord, we give our lives to you. We commit our lives to you. We commit our marriages to you. We commit our families to you. We commit our relationships to you. We commit our, our jobs to you. God, we commit this year to you. I pray, Father, that you are lifted up, that you are glorified in us, and that we show ourselves to be your disciples. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.